ready to feast. Are ready to feast? All right, all right. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Can you turn me down maybe just a little bit, Matt? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to just, uh, you know, in the spirit of communion and, you know, communion's about the body and blood of Jesus and what was done for us through the breaking of his body, the wounds that he took and the blood that he shed. And one of those things was for the healing of our body, uh, for our minds, our soul. And the other was for our salvation, our deliverance and our freedom. And this morning, I know people that are sick. And I just want to, right now, Lord, I just ask you to extend your, your blood. As we think of communion, what you did, Lord, we just pray for our neighbors and our friends, our family members who are sick right now, Lord, Father God. And just let your Holy Spirit fill the room, fill their bodies, fill their minds right now, Lord. Deliver and break off every shackle, Lord, every sickness, every disease, every dominion, Lord, that's there uh, uninvited, we command it to go in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we just release life and peace and joy and fullness and health, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can you say amen to that one? Yeah. Amen. Well, you can open up your Bible. Uh, my first scripture will probably be Philippians 4, but uh, we're going to see if I can get there or not. And if we do, we got some more after that. Okay. <laughs> but Lord, thank you for the word. I thank you for the word that sets us free. I thank you the, for the word that gives us life, Lord. And I pray this morning that our, our hearts and our minds would be open to your word, Lord, to what you're speaking, not just the written down word on the paper, but the life-giving breath that you've breathed on it, Lord, for this time, for this season, for this moment, for now, in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, um, the word for this year, and you can write this down, okay? Uh, get out your phone, put it in your notes, is alignment. Alignment. Write that down, alignment. Because uh, there is a lot of shifting going on in uh, our world, uh, in our thinking, and it's God doing an, an alignment and to bring us back to center. Um, an example is, um, oh gosh, when after Kathy and I got married, I had a brilliant idea that I would uh, tear down my carport and have somebody build me, add onto my house. And they did a good job of adding onto my house, but the brilliant idea was I was gonna build me a shop with the leftover material. So I did, I got out there and I, kind of like a kid, you ever see a kid, in fact, I was talking to uh, Hugh uh, the other day, and he was talking about his grandson being out in the woods with him. I hope you don't mind me telling this story, but <laughs> I didn't ask for his permission. But uh, he was doing his stuff, and he took off his glove, or his right glove, I think it was, and then his grandson took off his right glove. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, I saw you do it, so I'm doing what you did. <laughs> you know, that's the nature of a child. So I, in my childish nature, uh, I saw other people, when they would build something, I understood you had to have a foundation, you had to have framework, and you had to have structure and whatnot. So I began to build from the ground up, and I put my blocks out, I, I built my thing. But before I did this, I actually took a rope or a string, and I twined off an area, you know, to build in, not knowing that there had to be a 45-degree angle, I guess that's the right angle, at every one of these uh, corners. And they were, but they were all skewed just a little bit. Everything was a little bit off, and I didn't realize that. So I built this, this shop from the ground up, skewed. And um, I didn't realize it until, I mean, I got the framework up, and I started laying down the floor. About two-thirds or a third of the way into the floor, I realized I was having to pull this wood two meter. That should have been my signal right there that something wasn't in alignment. And, but I kept going, you know, like I always do. I'm just a bull. I'm going to charge through this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this thing. I'm going to get to the finish line, and I'm going to be a victor, you know. But anyway, I built this thing, and it, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of myself, and I still am, you know. I mean, at least I built one. You probably didn't build one, you know, so I got one. But anyway, um, so I go to put a shelf in there. And when I go to put a shelf in there, it doesn't fit. I've got to saw it off, kind of like Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Y'all know Boudreaux and Thibodeau? 
Boudreaux tells Thibodeau, go cut this wood for me. And he gives him a measurement, and he uh, comes back, and he says, Boudreaux, this board, I don't know what's wrong with it. He said, I cut it three times, and it's still too short. <laughs> That's kind of how it was. I'm manipulating everything to get it to fit in this, uh, you know, the shelves. If I put it in straight, then there's a gap against the corner of the wall because it's open. So in order to get everything to look right, I have to cut it. And it's just a lot more work, a lot harder work. If I would have stopped at the beginning and got my, my, uh, my foundation in alignment, then things would have been easier. There would have been a lot less tension. And actually, uh, you know, if I'm trying to put a square piece of material into an off-centered or misaligned, and just like that floor, I'm having to pull it in, it creates stress and tension on this building because it's not properly aligned. And another example is, um, how many of you have been to a chiropractor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's some science behind your body being alignment. You know, you have a skeletal system, and that skeletal system uh, is designed to be in alignment. And if any part of it gets out of line, say you have a big fat wallet you sit on all the time. I hope all you got fat wallets, but I would encourage you to put it in your front pocket, you know? But, you know, it, what it does, it pushes your hip up. So for your body to compensate, it's going to turn and shift. You know, it'll curve to get the balance. It's like trying to, you ever try to balance a broom? You know, you're always trying to get under the bottom to get it to line up. And that's what your body does. It's trying to find this alignment, you know, so it'll start doing stuff. So you always have this tension on your body because the muscles are pulling in a way they're not necessarily supposed to. So when you go to a chiropractor, what he's going to do is he's going to begin to work on the vertebrae and the, uh, the neck and stuff to get them in proper alignment, so to release that stress. But when you already have something out of alignment, there's actually stress when you begin to align things because now you've got to reverse the order. All that tension that's been built for all these years has to slowly be re-manipulated, if you will, brought back into alignment to get your body in harmony, to get your, your body to, to work the way it's supposed to. Because even in your skeletal system, your vertebrae, and, uh, uh, your back, and all your nerves, a lot of the information to your body is connected to your, to your spinal cord. Does that make sense? So God is calling for a, alignment this year. And, and it, it's, a, it's, it's a shifting, and it's been going on for a number of years. Uh, probably in my lifetime, I've been watching this, this shift in this alignment. And I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I, I'll, I'll come back to that. But um, it begins right here and right here. If, you're, if you are out of line spiritually... It's going to cause a lot of tension in your life. You're going to have to manipulate a lot of stuff. Some people's theology is out of line. And you have to manipulate everything that you read to fit your paradigm. And you're fighting against your thinking. A lot of times your brain knows what's right. But you have an ideology that resists truth. Because you've been taught this is truth. And I'm not going to get into a big theological thing. But... I just invite you to go and think about what you think about. Just because I told you it's true, you need to go find out for yourself, you know? And I don't want to hear from you what Preacher Bob said. I want to hear from you what God said, you know? I mean, we are all called into alignment. And part of that alignment is getting ourselves in a position where we as individuals can hear from God from ourselves and begin to hear. And you balance that with what what, what truth is, what, what God's saying, and then you test it. Uh, so, God is calling us into alignment. I, like I said, I'm going to explain that a little bit, but it's, it's about mindset. And to, to get yourself spiritually in line, you have to align your heart and your mind with what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and doing. Are you, are you, are you with me? Um, and I want, I want to tread lightly here, but the Bible is a tool God has given to us. He breathed on men of God, and it's a holy tool, inspired word of God. But 
if we don't have a right heart and an align, right alignment with what we read, we can get things twisted and out of balance. Do you believe that? I mean, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's true. <laughs> but I'm trying to help you out to get your, because what you think affects the way you view reality. For example, if you have a theology that says God, I'll, I'll give you one that I've wrestled with and I've had, had an alignment shift. It's taken a number of years, but it's shifting. And that God, God is good and bad. God is good and bad. In other words, I, I'm thankful for the things that he gives me that are good, and I just accept the things that he gives me that is bad as his will. And growing up in uh, churches, uh, you know, I've been raised in church most of my life, you know, I picked up theologies that, that blamed bad things on God. You know, God did this to you to teach you a lesson. God put that sickness on you so that you would learn to be more compassionate. I mean, yes, you may be sick, and regardless of where it came from, you can learn a lesson from it, but God did not give you that. I mean, say this with me. God is good. The devil is bad. That's right. You need, we, that's a mind shift, and it's, it's subliminal, and it, it works. We don't even think about it. When you just view life, we begin to assess it based on this operating system in the back of our mind. Uh, had someone call the other day. They were stressed out. They were crying about life, and then they determined because of their good nature, what they were doing, they were in sin because God had a different plan, so he was putting this sickness on them so they'd repent. You know, and that is a product of bad theology. You know, and, and you just don't, you know, you have to wrestle these things out. And it's, it's not wrong to question. It's not wrong to question. We have a generation today that we're giving answers to questions they're not asking. And we think that it's the Spirit of God. You know, if they'll just know this, then it'll set them free. Well, the reality is, if you're not relevant, then what's, your, what's the point? You know, if what you're saying, I mean, it may be true, but if they're not able to understand it, then what's the point, you know? They're asking questions. We need to provide the, the answers and getting ourselves in alignment with God and hearing what he has to say. You know, God could do something in a moment. You know, just pull one block out of your life and everything will just start lining up. You know, there might be one theological idea or just maybe it's just a simple view of life the way you look at things but if you'll just move that out over here you might have to throw it in the garbage you might have to put it over here and everything your life will relax a lot you know your attention will, 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 will die down your ability to come into the presence of God sometimes our theology keeps us out of the presence of God because we feel unworthy we think um, that I'm just a poor, wretched sinner, saved by grace, you know, that uh, it's just really tough, you know, but I'm working my way through this, and I know in the end, God's going to bless me, you know, that's fooey, <laughs> you know, God loves you, he wants good for you, he wants to liberate you and set you free, yeah, you know, and sure, if you're in sin, he's going to, he's going to uh, uh, straighten you out, you know, but it's not on this negative, uh, bad theology. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense? That's a little extra. But, um, so it all begins with aligning your mind with your heart. And then your heart with the word of God and the pattern that you've seen on the mountain. And I'm referring to Moses. Moses went up to the mountain back after he had the children of Israel out of Egypt. Y'all remember the story? Uh, he's up there by himself for 40 days in a thick cloud, lightning and thunder's happening, and he's up there, and God is etching his law on these stones, and he gives these tablets to Moses. But up there, uh, because of the scripture, the scripture says, he told him, he says, Moses, see that you build it according to the pattern that I've shown you on the mountain. What that says to me is that when we get away with God, you know, there's a place in God where we arise in his presence and we're there with him and he begins to write his law on our heart. Not thou shalt not, but he just writes his, his law as love, first of all, you know. He writes that on your heart. And then he says, whatever you build, see to it that you build it according to what I've shown you up there. And God has shown us his plan throughout the ages and he will reveal it to us as we ascend 
in our relationship with him where we're alone with him, where we hear his voice. And you might say, how do you hear his voice? Just carve out a little space. Carve out a little space. Get quiet. Get still. And I promise you, God will speak. There is no connection problem on his end. I'm serious. God is, he's always talking. You know, not that he's a chatterbox, but his word is always going forth. It's just like the universe, whether you believe in Big Bang or not, but the universe is constantly growing and expanding. And it's the same with God. God's word is always moving and generating from who he is, from his being. And whenever we stop and turn out all the noise, God speaks. It's not a problem on his end, it's on our end. And we keep ourselves so busy with all the negativity and just life that we're afraid to, to, to hear him. Just like, in, in fact, this is one of the saddest scriptures in the whole Bible that God was going to speak to the children of Israel. In fact, he did speak. And it scared the bejeebas out of them. And they said this, they said, God, don't you speak to us, let Moses speak to us. Yeah, what a, what a sad day in history. They had the opportunity to hear the voice of the Lord, but because of their fear, they refused to hear but thank God for Jesus Christ. You know, that's the beauty of the relationship of Jesus, that he has opened up a brand new way. We don't come to a God of, of fear and, and torment and wanting to judge you because of your sin. He took all that out on the body of Jesus Christ. He bore our sin. Now we have free access into the presence of God. If you're feeling resistance, it's because you're out of alignment. You know, and it's in your thinking. So you need to realize that God accepts you like you are. You have an open invitation to come into his presence, and he will deal with all that other stuff. He will deal with that. Amen? Amen? Yes, yes, yes. God loves you. He's for you, not against you. So it's mindset. And then trust what God is sending to you. Think about that. And, and I'm, I'm sharing part of my heart with you. Um, there was, um, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm human. I still am. And I still wrestle with my, my, some of my bad theology and my, my uh, just me. But I, I remember uh, God was doing some stuff in the church. and He was sending some new people. And I was afraid. I don't know. I never really realized it. But I had this dream and in this dream, uh, I was going out into the wilderness. And as I was going out, I had a friend with me. And I thought, I need to leave a breadcrumb trail for my wife. Because I have a feeling I'm going to get lost, you know, basically. And so I started leaving, like, my wallet. And I'd go, I'd leave my keys. And I'd leave credit or whatever, you know. And I was leaving this trail of my belongings out into this, uh, it's like this, the, uh, it doesn't matter really. But I was, it was in a wilderness place. And I came against this. To me, it looked like a cow pond. You know, let your imagination dream what that is. But to the left of this cow pond was a fence, and it had uh, maybe grapevines, something like that growing on it. And so I was hemmed in behind this pond and this fence. Well, there were pairs of coyotes coming around this pond flanking me. And I could see them coming in twos, and it scared the bejeebas out of me. I woke up in a cold sweat thinking, oh, my God, these people are going to kill me. They're going to destroy what God's doing. They're from the devil, you know. <laughs> and that's what my mind was thinking. And I, I, I began to just meditate on it. Lord spoke to me very clearly in my heart. He said, Tim, that's your fear. That's your fear interpreting that. I'm sending these people to help you. I said, wow. And it, it began to unravel a lot of the, thing, the way I thought. Obviously, I had a problem, trust me, and, you know, and, and I may have told you this, but even at a, a meeting shortly after that, we were in uh, Nashville, Tennessee at a Voice of the Apostles conference, and wonderful conference, a lot of good things happening, but I remember um, a lot of ministry, just the word, but uh, John Arnott was the pastor of the Vineyard Church, the Airport Vineyard, Toronto Vineyard, where the big outpouring was in the 90s, that in Brownsville. But he was speaking that night, and I have no idea what he's talking about. But I remember in the middle of that message, the Lord says, you have abandonment issues because of your dad. You don't trust people. You know? 
that began to ring my bell, you know? And uh, so I had to start processing that. And I'd love to tell you that I got free that day and everything was fine. Uh, I got freedom that day and things were beginning better all the time, you know? But in every level of expansion and growth, I seem to have to wrestle that demon because there's a new level of trust that I have to give myself into because, you know, I'm learning that this isn't a cut and dry walk till the end. Are you with me? You know, there's always new dimensions of glory, new dimensions of uh, um, just God wanting to bring you to another level in your life on a personal level. Uh, in your business, in your family. There's things that he's calling us to, but old paradigms keep us, and a paradigm is the way you view life. Old paradigms keep us entering into new revelation of what God is doing. Does that make, does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, with each level of growth, there's a lot of times a shift in the way you think. Not, well, uh, Jesus called it old wineskins. Remember, he's talking to the, uh, the, um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he's trying to, re he really loved them in spite of the conversation you might feel that he didn't. He loved them, and he was really crying out to them, please listen to me. God sent me. I am the son of God, and I am giving you the plan. I am the plan. And he said, uh, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how I love to gather you under my wings like a hen does her chicks. Is that right? But you would not have it. Therefore, your city will be left to you desolate. Not one stone will be left upon another. That was the cry of God. Listen, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to gather you unto myself, but because of your paradigm, you will not have it. And therefore, you're going to eat the fruit of this paradigm that you're in. But he said, you know, in another part, he says, new wine has to be put into new wineskin, or else when the wine ferments, the, the skin will tear and the wine will be lost. What does that mean? That means when God, every time he brings you into a new area of growth and development as a person, as a business owner, uh, society changes and you have to meet the demands or the, the uh, answer the questions that are being asked, it calls for a new level of trust. It calls for a new wineskin. And you have to shift your thinking and you have to go back to the Word of God. Okay, God, what, God, God maybe God's doing it different. You know, I was raised that this is how we do it. You know, we sing three songs, we, we take up an offering, we uh, say a, a prayer for the sick, you know, and then we lay hands on a few people and we go home. What if God wants to do that upside down? Maybe he says, you know, this is the season where you just need to come in and lay on your face. You know? I mean, it would be a challenge for me. And I, I am challenged all the time. And uh, you guys sometimes are more out there than I am. <laughs> but God's calling us to two newer levels of obedience, newer levels of trust. Uh, so, this is where the fun is. <laughs> this is where the fulfillment's at. This is where the joy is at. This is where you get to meet and encounter God in the mystery. You know, there's a mystery of God, and if we lose that mystery, we lose the power of God. We would lose the, the ability for him. Once, once you decide that this is how God does it, then you shut the door. Your brain stops working. You know that? Once you choose that I understand this, then your brain turns off. You know, if you say that I can't do that, you just turn your brain off. Your brain says, you know, it's done. There's no answers. So... You just moan and groan, and it'll show up somewhere else. You'll get stressed. But the moment you begin to say, how can God fix this? You know, what would he want me to do? How could I look at this another way? Then all of a sudden, you give power. You open your heart up 
for the life of God to come in to give you wisdom, to give you direction. If you're not asking questions, then you're not in a relationship, you know? And I'll give you another clue. If you're in a relationship and you don't fight, somebody's lying. I'm serious, you know? Now, if you are hitting below the belt, husband, wife, come talk to me. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting, okay? <laughs> but, you know, if in, in any relationship, there's going to be tension. Are you with me? Um, and if there's not, someone's not, they're not telling their point. You know, me and my wife, we argue. Yeah, Kath and I argue because she's got a view and I've got a view and they don't always line up. So we have to wrestle those things out. Either we learn to, uh, we'll say we agree to disagree and we love each other and all's well, or we don't say anything and there's this, this, this underlying tension, you know, uh, tension on the inside of it. But once we line up our thinking together that we're in this together and our heart and our vision is to love God, then we, we allow for that mystery of one another and we allow for the mystery of God. So part of knowing God is opening yourself up for the mystery. And, and that, that's a hard thing because in the mystery, you lose control. I lose control. Amen? Are you ready, are you ready to give up control? Nope. That's honesty. I appreciate that, you know? But God is calling us into trust. Amen? Um, go to Philippians 4. Verses 6 through 7. And when you get to this place, and, and we're all there at some degree or another, we're all always confronted with uh, a way to look at things. Every crisis, every trial, every situation calls for a, a trust on our part to, to look to God for the answer. And with that comes a degree of anxiety. How many of you ever wrestled with anxiety? Yeah, amen. You know, anxiety is fear of an outcome that you don't have control over, but you want to control it. And so there creates this anxiousness. But this is what uh, Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? What does that say to you? Yeah, let the peace of God, that's let go. Just, man, I can take you on an exercise right now. Let's do this. I want you to close your eyes just a minute. And I want you to think about what it is that's creating the anxiety in your life right now. Could be the insurance company. <laughs> Amen. It could be the contractor, you know. It could be sickness. And here's a big one. It's social conditioning. It's all the media that we listen to that's telling us how bad our life is and how worse it's going to get, you know, that you need to do all this. These are points of anxiety. Now, I want you to just look in your heart and see Jesus saying, nothing's impossible. I've got this. And just, you're taking a breath, and he says, roll all your care over unto me because I care for you. Can you see yourself just rolling that over to Jesus? Rolling over your house to Jesus? Rolling over that insurance claim to Jesus? Roll over that, that, that contractor that's only there once a week, if that. And when we get in alignment in our heart and our spirit, things seem to take care of themselves. And then just gather in your thoughts and, 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 and make them stop. In other words, don't give your thoughts power to think of the worst case scenario. Can you, can you do that? Because whenever you stop giving your mind power to think of the worst case scenario, then you just rest. Just trust. Can you, can you feel that? Can you feel the peace just by letting that go? 
Amen. Amen. All right. So the word is alignment and the kind of the heart I want to get to this morning as a church, and we're talking about now and going into the future, God has called us into apostolic alignment. And this is something that's been transpiring, I guess, since the beginning. You know, the church was founded on the apostles and prophets and whatnot, and then it's grown and developed, and then through uh, 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 the name just barely, Constantine. Yeah, I don't know if you know who Constantine was, but he was uh, a Roman uh, emperor or whatever at a certain time in history. I'm not sure exactly when, probably 300 B.C. around there. He had baptized basically the whole Roman nation into Christianity. You know, and from that point, he began to set up a new hierarchy of uh, Christianity. And we begin to leave, we begun to leave the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And things slowly begin to shift into pastor led, you know, and it began to be controlled. And I know through the Pro uh, Protestant Reformation, uh, uh, the, the birth of uh, Martin Luther, Martin Luther uh, uh, broke away as, uh, as he began to begin to read the Bible and begin to get better understanding on, on Scripture. Well, it created a movement. And since that point, it's kind of like the, they call it the Dark Ages. You know, there was this apostolic rise and then there was this growth. And then this uh, transformation happened through Rome. And then the... Uh, uh, at the leadership of the church began to dive into darkness. And then at the revelation of John uh, of Martin Luther, there began to be an incline out of that darkness. And we're getting to the pinnacle now in time to where God is, it seems like every move of God, he's restoring different parts of the church back to its original foundation. And so here we are today, and God is calling the church into apostolic alignment. What does that mean? Well, like I said, just like I talked about, you know, we've been trying to operate a church a certain way and we've got it twisted and there's this constant pull trying to pull back and we're not effective. In fact, the church today is less effective than it's ever been. Uh, we keep getting further and further away from uh, the amount of people that are coming to the Lord. You know, when you look at statistics, there's more people leaving the church today than any other time in history. You know, we follow behind uh, England. You know, I think there, last time I heard there was that 4% Christianity. You know, we have maybe 20, 30%, but they're not practicing Christians. You know, they're, you know they sign the role, but they're not practicing Christians. So there, there's definitely a decline. But in churches that are experiencing uh, apostolic alignment and reformation, you find life in these churches, and these churches are growing. And so... I feel like God's called us into apostolic alignment so that we can get ourselves focused on what God's doing and the leadership and the structure that he's put into the church so that we can grow and develop and begin to be who that we're called to be. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 8. It says here, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has, who has? What's he, what, what did he do? He appointed in the church what? Well, first apostles, then what? Prophets, then what? Then what? Then what? And what else? She needs some help. Ministrations, various kinds of tongues. You see this? This is, this is what God appointed. God set these things. That's what point me. He set these things in the church. What? He has set apostles in the church. Now, in today, churches are led by pastors. You know how many times pastors said in the Bible? Once. One time. The word pastors in the Bible. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And there's two other times where the word is shepherd, which is the same Greek word, but it's used as shepherd. And in those two incidents, it's referring to Jesus as the, the, the shepherd and bishop of our soul. Uh, so what, I'm, what, I'm, what are you saying, Tim? You know, shepherding is an Old Testament philosophy. All in the Old Testament, you know, their priests and stuff are, and kings are, 
are referred to as shepherds. But in the New Testament, God sent apostles and prophets and teachers. Yet we have a model of church that's built on the pastor model. And the pastor model is the caretaker. The pastor's job is to come help you fulfill all your, your needs and to take care of you to make sure you're, you're healthy and that when you get a bobo that he runs over there and he puts a Band-Aid on it, puts a little oil on it, whatnot. And so you're running this guy ragged, you know, because uh, no one person can do all that, you know. So there's a shepherd, and the shepherding model is about uh, maintenance. See what I'm saying? So the pastor's so busy taking care of everybody else that he can't look outside to see what else God is doing. You know, some pastors have an evangelistic, maybe, outreach. And, and I want to be honest with you. You know, in the, there are a lot of apostles in the world today. They just won't acknowledge it. You know, churches don't acknowledge it. They, they tag him with pastor. You know, when the reality is he may be an apostle, but because they tag him as pastor, they try to fit him in a, or her, in a, in a mold. You know what I'm saying? So... God is restoring these things, but this is his plan. First apostle, then prophets, then evangelists, or here he's saying uh, teachers. He doesn't mention passion here. Miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. That means there's a place for, absolutely there's a place for a pastor. You know, pastors are people uh, within the community that have a heart for other people, and they want to help them grow. You know, there's a bunch of pastors in here right now. You know, you don't, I'm not your pastor, you know. I, I'm an apostle, you know. I was sent here by God to establish a work that would reach this community, would meet, reach this region, and begin to reach the world. And if I focus, and some of you may feel like, well, Tim, you're, and, and I apologize, you know, if you feel like that I'm, you're neglected by me as an individual, but if I was to give my energy to a calling that's not mine, I get out of alignment. And then I'm under stress and tension, and I can't produce, and I'm always fighting with my ability to be able. And I'm not here to, to justify me or whatnot. I'm just explaining to you how it is, you know. Uh, my wife, I've often said, she's more of a pastor. She's got more of the heart of the, you know, when we talk, we always argue. If we're going to argue, we're going to argue over, you know, you be the, you know, she has, that's what you do that, you know. That's what you're feeling. God bless you. You do that. I feel this. Let me be the dad. You be the mom, you know, or I want her to be the dad. I'm trying to explain to her, you got to do it this way, you know, and we never agree on those things, you know, and I, after 35 years, I give up, you know, I said, baby, I love you just like you are, you know, and uh, God bless you, and now that I'm beginning to own, you know, who she is and allow her to be who she is, man, it's a lot more fun. Church is more fun when she's up here. I miss her today, you know. Doing, doing her thing, you know, because she is who she is. You know, she's a prophetic intercessor. You know, sometimes that just blows me away. I'm, I'm not there. I don't have that gift, but I give her place because that's her gift, you know. You know, I'm, I'm a visionary, you know, and this is what God's called. So anyway, let, let's read some more. Uh, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built, so let me back up a little bit so you can understand what he's saying. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. In other words, that you're not outside looking in. You're on the inside. You've been called. You're part of this thing. Not just this thing right here, but this global thing called the church, the ecclesia, the, uh, the called out ones of God. Not the house, but the people in the house. Right? So then you are no longer, you're part, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. All of us are included in this house. And he's telling us, this is how this house was built. It was built on what? The foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets. Find my place here. Jesus Christ being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In other words, we can't grow and develop like we're designed to do if we don't embrace the gifting that God has given us. And so and the reason I say this is because we've given ourselves more to that thinking, is that we want 
apostolic and prophetic leaders to be, uh, uh, how do I say that, involved. You know, we want to hear what God is saying and what God is doing. Apostles are like uh, generals, if you will. They're called by God, and God gives them a message. And he says, I want you to go into this community, and I want you to declare the message that I have. And it's a, it brings in a culture of heaven. It's the way heaven views things. A lot of people, you know, let's say it like this. The paradigms that we use now are old paradigms. The way we think about church, you know, pastor-led model churches. And it creates a certain thing. But God is calling for apostolic leadership where we hear from heaven what God is doing. Instead of waiting to get to heaven to get what God's given, given to us, God's saying, I want you to bring what you saw on the mountain down here. He says, pray what? Your kingdom come and your will be done. Where? Where? As it is in heaven. Yes, on earth as it is in heaven. Does that sound like the old paradigm that you've been in? You know, my old paradigm was, let's make it through this life, you know, and if I get too far out of, uh, if I get too spiritual, you know, God help me, you know. But I'm always looking forward. But God's saying, look forward to bring it here. Bring heaven here. Bring heaven here. What does heaven look like? No more crying. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more sickness. No more disease, you know. Disease, we don't want that here. Yes, when we get to heaven, it's all going to be gone. But I don't want my neighbors sick. You know, I don't want you sick. I don't want you struggling with COVID. I don't want you struggling with cancer. I don't want you struggling with disease and dementia and all that stuff. That's not heaven. But God don't allow us to accept it as so. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, yes, life happens. I understand that, but never accept it. You know, this is not God's will. It is not God's will that you struggle. It's not God's will that you're addicted to anything. It's not God's will that you can't overcome and be a victor. You are not a victim. And it's not God's will that you be that. <clears throat> God's will is that you get to know him and that you became, become a arbitrator of heaven. Amen? You become a dispenser of heaven. Uh, there's a scripture, and I, I don't know exactly where it is, but it's in, uh, in the, one of the five books of the Moses where he tells, in Revelation he says, you are a kingdom of priests. In the Old Testament he said, look, you are a priest to the nations. And a priest, what they were to do is offer the bread and body of the Lord for the sins of the people, you know. But today, back then it was in the hand of a priesthood, Today, it's in the ecclesia. It's in the church. You are the priest of God. You are to bring heaven for people to them. You know, you're to bring them to an encounter with Jesus to where everything that they need is in that relationship. Uh, you don't need anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Everything that you need is already inside of you. You don't need someone to come pray heaven down for you. It's inside of you already. Jesus, I'm going to tell you a secret. He is not coming back to fix your problem. He says, I have given you power already. Your problem's fixed. You know, we just have to believe it and begin to push into it. Now, I'm not saying that the devil's going to play dead because you chose and made up your mind that you're going to follow God. He's not. He's a border bully. He's going to stand the border uh, between your present reality and what God has called you to. And he's going to say, you can't come in here because of X, Y, Z. But you have to bow up. He says that the kingdom of God suffers violence. But what happens? The violent take it by force. What I want is right there. You know, it's not when I die. It's right here, right now. And I'm pressing into it. And get out of my way, devil. You know? And whenever you get sick and tired of being sick and tired... Uh, someone said it like this, when the desire for change becomes greater than the pain, then you will take up your authority, you know? Whenever we begin to say, enough is enough, I'm not living like this anymore, I'm going to believe what the Word of God says, then you'll begin to move into what He's doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why? 
why, why apostolic leadership? Why alignment? Why getting ourselves in alignment with God's will? Well, Ephesians 4 says it like this in verse 9 through 13. This is the end result. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower region of the earth? What he's talking about, and it's just what I told you just now, Jesus isn't going to die for you again. He's not going to come down and beat the devil up for you so that you can have a victorious life. He already did that. You know? So he says, don't say who's going to go up to heaven and come down. He's already done it. Just accept it. It's been done. But he goes on and he says, um, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And then what did he do? He says he gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists. The word here in the ESV says shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's the end result there? Equip the who? No. Say it again. To equip what? The saints. Who are the saints? Look at your neighbor and point at them. Tap them on the shoulder. You're a saint. You're a saint. God has given all these gifts for you. He's given these gifts for you. Why? He says, um, for the work of the ministry. What is that? So that you'll be uh, full-time preachers? No. I mean, some of you will be. And I pray that some of you are. But you're to be a servant. What, 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 remember the scripture I told you earlier about the, uh, you are to be a kingdom or, or priest to the nations? That's your ministry. You're a priest to your nation. You're a priest to your work. You're a priest to your family. You're a priest uh, to those that you're connected with. Maybe God called you into a greater sphere of influence, but you bring the body and blood. You bring the life and power of God everywhere you go. You don't believe that. But it's true. It is true. Inside you rests all the power of universe. Well, Tim, I don't pray enough. I'm not like that preacher, you know. I don't read the Bible enough. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter. Jesus lives on the inside of you. The day you begin to believe that he's inside of you with all the power of the universe is the day that you can begin to change not only your world, but the world of those that are around you. I can change that, you know. Do I believe all that? How Peter said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, you know. And I, with going back to every step, there's a new call for me to, to go higher in the things of God, to go deeper in my trust, to quit I love Robbie Dawkins said this. He says, we're not to bring the level of God's faithfulness down to our experience. And that's what most of us do. If it, we prayed and nothing happened, then all of a sudden we create a theology that says, I accept this as this is, well, God doesn't do that anymore. You know, and so now I feel good. But we need to keep our level expectation in heaven and never accept what we're experiencing as, as truth. If you want a fulfilled life, if you want adventure, you know, I'm telling you to grab a hold of this and go with it, you know, because this is where we're going, you know. We're looking for God to restore apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, to begin to teach us so that there's miracles here, that there's not just here, there's miracles where you're at, that wherever you go, that uh, people see the, uh, the, uh, the explosion of God's power. No, a miracle is, you know, there's a difference between healing and the miraculous. You realize that? You know, healing is a process. You know, I was healed. You know, I got better and better and better. I took the medication or I, 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 I fought the fight with the word and I, I'm healed. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Tim, I'm sorry, brother, but he's a great example of healing. I mean, his wife and uh, the doctors and prayer and you know, they fought and fought and fought and fought, and he's here with us today. He's not in heaven sooner than he was supposed to be, you know? And that is the, the healing power of God. But a miracle is God comes in, and he routes the devil out of your life, and it's gone, you know? Bam, you know? That's a miracle. Things change. We want some of that, you know? Here, and I want, I want it in your life. I want you to be able to go out and pray for people, and God deliver them, and it's only going to, you know, It'll happen 
And this is why I'm here. Jeeve and I were talking today. I was challenging her, you know, uh, to, to let go and just trust all that goodness that's inside of her, you know. And there is so much goodness and power in this room right here. It'll change the world. It'll change the world. You just have to believe that God is good enough and that you're good enough, that he will actually do it for you. And uh, it means risk. It means trust. It means stepping out, believing that God will provide. So I'm going to wrap this up. Hmm. That makes sense. Are you following me? How many of you want some of that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I do. You know? I don't want to quit being afraid. And what I say is the mystery. You know, I don't want to get to the place where I'm comfortable with everything's nice and tidy. Everything's organized. You know, and if you come here in a length of time, <laughs> you know, we know that. Uh, but I don't want to stop. Uh, you know, it's easy to get to a place and say, all right, I've, I've reached this hill. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do that. You know, and I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to accept life like it is for you or for the world. You know, I want you to be a fighter for all that God has died for you to give you. You know, and this, this crosses generational lines. I'm not talking to you people over 50, you know. I'm talking to you, Landon, you know. I'm talking to you, Landon. You know, where's Naam and Elias, you know. Yeah, I'm talking to you, boys. Ezra, I forget the sweet little long lady's name, but yeah, talking to you guys, you know. Don't settle. Do not settle. Do not settle. You know, And I, I, I'm going to speak another moment to uh, this generation that's coming up. Is that you have the opportunity to hear God for yourself. And you're going to see things and you're going to hear things that are contrary to what maybe your parents taught you. You know? But I, I want you to present that to God and I want you to talk to God about it. And don't be afraid. <clears throat> it's not wrong to question it's not wrong. You know, religion, you know, some of that old mindset tells us not to question God or we're going to go to hell or whatever. God's going to beat us up, you know. You know, you, you need to go to God and talk about it. You know, if it doesn't make sense, and if it, and Nathan did a great job a couple weeks ago talking about that tension. You know, just because you can't answer the question, don't throw God away. You know, embrace God. I don't understand, but I choose to believe you, Lord. Help my unbelief. Show me. You know, there's, 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 this is faith. All this is faith. When it becomes where there's no faith in it, then we've, we've settled. And may we never stop having to use our faith. And if you want adventure in your life, move forward in God with these things. Amen? Amen. Well, that's, that's enough. That ought to get your brain boiling and exploding. And... Uh, Hmm, I want to, uh, gosh, yeah. I feel like the Lord uh, gave me a few things to press into. and One was uh, miracles, miracles this morning. And specifically, and I touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, insurance, insurance. You still haven't received What's yours from the insurance company? Is there anybody here? Well, I don't, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, because I don't want to embarrass you. You can. There you go. It's all of us. Uh, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. 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 I mean, let me, let me kind of get, Lord, how you want to deal, deal with this. Uh, I, I say what. If you have not gotten your claim for the insurance, would you stand up? You haven't got what's yours. And you're waiting and you need a miracle. You need the insurance company to let go of the money that they owe you, that they they that you paid all this time to get and they're not giving it to you. All right. Now family, you're the church. 
I want you to extend your hands to toward our brothers and sisters, and we're going to decree miracles right now for them and their lives, Lord. Just, if you would, just extend your hands to these couples. Yes. God, we just decree right now, we declare, Lord, that they would let go of the money that belongs to your people in Jesus' name, Lord. Every dollar, every penny, Lord, right now would be released and given to our family, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, and I decree in, uh, I was going to say 21, but in seven days, Lord, that there will be a release of money right now for these people in Jesus' name, that they would have what they need, what they've been promised in Jesus' name. We command it, we decree it, let it be so in the name of Jesus. Yes, amen, 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 amen. Yes, hallelujah. Hmm. That's right, come back and tell us. And then, uh, peace, peace, peace. That's the second part of this equation. Thank you, Lord. Is letting go. Letting go. And letting go is trust. Trust. Yes, Lord. I don't know. I just I feel this gut wrenching right now. Some. Who's in turmoil right now? You know God's good. Yeah, you know God's good. You want to believe, but you just have this tension in your stomach. You're, you're afraid. You don't know why, you know? There's, there's a trust thing going on right now. God says, let go. Let go. Let go. Let it all go. Trust. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Ministry time this morning is just take a deep breath. Breathe in trust. Breathe in trust. And just exhale anxiety. Exhale anxiety and worry. Yeah, just let it all go. Let it all go in the name of Jesus. Let it all go in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to give you four things and then I'm going to close uh, with this, but you can write this down. These four things changed my life. Number one, God is good. He's in a good mood. That blew the doors off my brain. I heard someone say, I heard Bill Johnson say that one day, leaning over a pulpit. He said, God's in a good mood. And it, it did, it wrecked me. I never heard anybody say that before. But it changed my life. God's in a good mood. He really is. Number two is, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. If you believe it's impossible, it's impossible. But if you believe what God says, he says nothing is impossible. You open the doors of limitless power. You know? Number two, nothing is impossible. Number three, everything that you will ever need, underline that three or four times, everything that I will ever need Jesus has already bought and paid for. It's already purchased. It's already been paid for by the blood of the Lamb, by the Word of God. Already been taken care of. All, uh, I heard a guy the other day, uh, Miles Monroe. Yeah. He said, God didn't give Adam a table and a chair. He hid it in the tree. <laughs> he hid it in the tree. Your provision's already there. It's just hidden from you. You know, nothing's impossible. He's already provided everything that you need. You just need to let your brain think and allow God to speak to you, and he'll show it to you, you know? And finally, 
You are significant. I am significant. I am significant. And you need to believe that. A lot of you don't believe that. A lot of you have a hard time believing that you really are important. But you are important in this thing. You have a purpose. You have a plan. A lot of life's problems hinges on you coming into who you are, owning the, the value of who you are and what you bring to the table. Everybody, not, and you just don't have some little tiny little piece, you know, that it doesn't matter if it shows up or not. No, you are important. What you bring to the table matters. What you bring to the job matters. What you bring to the conversation matters. Your heart, your thought matters. These things, if you will believe them and put them into practice, make these your confession every day. And you should be confessing every day. Affirmation, speak these things to yourself. God is good. And whenever you have an opposing thought, you go back and say, what, God is good, so something's wrong with that thought. You know, nothing is impossible. So if I'm facing a situation that seems like uh, the devil's gonna win, nothing is impossible. You just keep telling yourself, nothing's impossible. Everything that I will ever need, Jesus has already bought and paid for. And then finally, I am significant. Confess these things daily and confess them in light of what you're facing right now. And tell your brain to shut up and be quiet and do what it's told and think on the goodness of God. Amen.